Stew here. I'm very proud to announce that Spoilers, my award-winning climate change comedy show, is returning to the Edinburgh Festival on the 12th, 13th and 14th of August. You can get your tickets at stuartgoldsmith.com on the little orange banner, or you can just go to edfringe.com and search my name. I mean, that's what I'd do. Whether you're a die-hard, north-face-wearing climate dude, or whether you are just a regular person who's a little bit nervous about all the news you're seeing and doesn't really know what to think, there's something there for you. It's really fun and funny, and I think you're going to love it. See you there. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewellery, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one, with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. My God, it's episode 70. 70. 70? 70. 10 points to the first person to tell me via Twitter, at ComComPod, which British comic has a routine that involves him saying 70 a lot. (laughs) 70? I've not crossed paths with him in ages, bless him. Um, When I say 10 points, remember what a points mean? Nothing. Nonetheless, this is episode 70, and it's a man who describes himself variously as the punmeister, the pun finder, the man with the golden pun, the pun finder general. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure there are lots of them. But as you'll hear, there is a great deal more to his comedy than simply his excellent wordplay. It's Tim Vine. Hi, Tim. Thank you very much. I'm very well. How are you? Very well. Yeah, I've got to stop going. Like yeah. it's, it's not a comedy show. <laughs> That's it. We've just no been hand there. As, you, as you came in, we were just debating the, uh, the relative merits of this being a comedy show and the fact that most of my guests, at some point, 20 or 25 minutes into the show, kind of look up and go, is this all right? Because no one's laughing at them. Yeah, that's kicked in a bit earlier. They're not me. used to it. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. We could we could we could deal with that. So, uh, Tim, you've just come from. You were saying you've just come off stage from your your chat show. Yes, I'm doing a thing called the Tim Vine Chat Show, where I I sort of well, when people arrive, there are forms on the table saying if you want to be interviewed, fill these in, and um, and I choose five people from the audience and I talk to them. And if, if that's funny, then great. If not, I crowbar a few of my <laughs> jokes in en route. Sure. I, it's, a fan, it's a fantastic format. It was, uh, I, I want to talk a bit more about it in, in a little television. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> is it, is it, a, is it a, a conscious TV pitch? I mean, you've done it. This is the second year no, you've I'm done it. I've been on that. I've been doing it for about four years. And okay. I think it's uh, not going to be on television, I don't think. Um, at least I don't know. But uh, um, it's probably a bit too simple in a way because um, if, uh, the times I've been to meetings and talked about it, people go, it feels like part of a show. Yes, okay. Yeah, but, uh, okay. No is one likes a simple idea, do they? No, <laughs> no. But, it, I mean, I th- I'm really impressed by the, the elegance of the concept, which is that you interview the man in the street. You interview people from the audience. Yeah, well, you know, it came about by accident, actually, because I, I, I sort of felt like I... Because when I do my stand-up, it's very tightly scripted, doing kind of one-liners and stuff. But I always felt like whenever I did stray off script a bit, and doing gigs and stuff, I always thought, oh, I, think I'm, I think I'm reasonably good at this sort of the ad-libbing thing, but I never had... There was never really much chance to do it, so I thought maybe if I do a chat show, I could you know do all that. So I wanted mm. to do a chat show, and, and I thought Edinburgh would be a good place to do it. So I decided to do a preview near where I lived, and then I sort of as the day approached, I realised I'd uh, hadn't booked any acts, which had left it too late. So I said to the guy who was working with me on it, a guy called Jobbins, I said, "Look, why don't we just let's, I'll bring people out of the audience and I'll interview them, and we'll get an idea." For okay. It. And then it went so well using people from the audience. You know, well, why don't we just do that? You know. So. That's great. Well, I think that's a lovely. Uh, that's a very. That's the definition of the word organic in terms of a process, isn't it? It just. Yeah, was I suppose so. Yeah, or accidental, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll talk about a bit more about the the chat show later on. But um, just to give a grounding, I'm sure everyone know. Everyone here knows who you are. Everyone Don't listening. Don't say that. <laughs> the head starts shaking. Oh, he's off. Look, this guy. Here. <laughs> no, no idea. Yeah. But you're you are a you're a magician. widely known Dancing. magician. Yeah. You're a, a widely known uh, uh, joke smith. You are one of the one-liner guys. There's sort of you, Milton Jones, Gary Delaney, um, but you are 
absolutely recognised as a... Would you say you're a household name, do you think? No. <laughs> no, I would never say that, no. Domestos, that's a household name. Um, no, I, I, no, I'm always genuinely surpri- surprised if, some, you know, if people um, say, uh, oh, you're that bloke, you know. Really? So, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't uh, consider myself a household name. No. Okay. No. Well, let's, well, I want to just kind of uh, put you in some context by asking you how you started comedy. I've always comedy wanted someone you? to put me in context. Good, well, it's going to happen now, Tim. <laughs> it's going to happen now. Because um, I saw, actually, on one of your DVDs, you'd included um, tiny little clips, like sort of a, a clip of one joke at a time, of you, of sort of Tim Vine through the ages. Of you gigging in, uh, oh, yeah, in yeah. different situations and with varying amounts of hair. Yes, exactly. Was, uh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, only going in one direction, sadly. Yeah. Um, so, so when yeah. you when you first started, what was your impetus to to get on stage? What was your? Well, I've, I suppose I always wanted to do it when I was younger, but not necessarily comedy. I always wanted to do something um, on stage. I think I, I used to want I used to want to do puppet shows very early on when I was okay. about ten. In fact, I did these little puppet shows and things, and I was very into the Muppets and. Um, and there were, I went through a period of doing, I did a few children's parties, but I was about, I think probably about 11 or 12 or something. I think I only did two or three. Okay. It was vaguely connected. With, with, with the uh, puppet show? Yeah, but it was like vaguely connected. It wasn't like advertising a newspaper or anything like that. It wasn't, it was something like, you know, friends of my my mum or something who said, oh, my, you know, my daughter's have a birthday. Oh, Tim will come and set up this big thing. And I did, you okay. know, I, I did Cinderella with puppets or something. Um, and then when I was at school, I wrote little plays and things. And gave myself the leading role, and um, and then used to put those on. Um, I remember putting one of those onto the school, and then it was sort of um, well, the thing that surprised me about it was the time. I thought I'd written this quite a long. It was Jason and the Argonauts. It was. I thought mm-hmm. I'd written this epic piece. I'd never actually timed it. So when we did it in front of the school, it was over in like nine minutes. Okay. <laughs> so I thought, but well, that's taking up so many pages. How come it's so short? So. Anyway, so I did, and then I wanted, in my twenties, I wanted to be a pop star, and then um, uh, I used to write loads of songs and things. And then I just discovered the. Uh, I mean, I didn't discover it, not like Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> but I discovered you you the created stand-up comedy, <laughs> but, and it is. I mean, I'm sure you've get, you've interviewed so many um, comics about stand-up. I'm sure that they would all say that, that, that it's, it's something very, very. It's, it's a very magical time when you first discover mm. all these clubs. Yeah. When you and you you, you start doing all these these. Um, open spots and um, it just I mean for me I never thought about doing it as a job I became um, obsessed about the uh, about doing longer you know I would see people it's funny I just bumped into Alan Davis I'll name check him now but but people like Alan and Eddie Izzard and um, Bill Bailey and the Rubber Bishops these people doing 20 minutes there's this golden thing of yeah. 20 imagine staying on stage for 20 minutes and it not feeling too long, yeah. you know. So I used to go to when I was doing these open spots, five minute open spots. I see people doing twenty minutes, and and I think, yeah, I'd love. To. And I, I remember my first twenty minutes in in a pub in Soho called the Crown and Two Chairmen, and, and being given fifty quid at the end of it. And I just thought, God, it's unbelievable. So when you you you've always been a one liner guy, have you? Or were no, you? No, not really. No, initially I I well when I the very first time I tried any stand up was at a place called the Comedy Cafe mm-hmm. in in London, and it was. Um, they used to have a, a competition night on Wednesday nights and you put your name on a list, 12 acts did five minutes each and then the winner got 25 quid. Um, I think they I, still do that now without the prize money. Do they? I yeah. think they possibly <laughs> do it without the comedy as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, So I used to go along every Wednesday. I was working in an office in Croydon at the time and I used to go every Wednesday. I'd get on the train and go and go there. Initially, the, the security guard was a friend of mine at, uh, at Croydon. He used to come with me initially. Mm-hmm. And then after about three weeks he sort of dropped out and I just <laughs> kept going and going and going um, and I've forgotten yeah we were talking about, I was talking about the, that, the, the type of stuff you were doing you're saying oh yeah so, no, so I did I did all sorts of different things the very first time I got on stage I think I tried some one and they just groaned at all of them and I thought and I actually remember it very distinctly saying to myself this circuit that I'm on you can't do that sort of thing you can't come on and do you know Black Beauty is a dark horse you can't okay. th- that's not the sort of thing they're after sure um so, was that, be, so, so, so I actually thought to myself, right, okay, if I do that, I'm just going to groan at me. This is a, it's a quite a great <laughs> rolling laugh for Black Beauty. So, <laughs> so, um, uh, so I then would try different things. I'd do a different five minutes each Wednesday, to be honest. Sometimes I'd go on. Um, I remember doing a whole thing to do with how I'd accidentally caused the death of, of various historical characters, <laughs> um, which was a bit more chatty, you know. And, and some of that worked. Um, I had a thing where I would say... For example, JFK. I went, so I went to J, JFK's house, and um, and uh, and I said, I'd, 
I'm, can I borrow one of your cars? I'm, I'm going on holiday or something. And he said, well, I'm going to, I'm going to Dallas. He said, no, he said, I've got two cars in the garage. I've got the, the convertible or the bulletproof Bentley. Yeah. And he said, um, and I said, well, look, it's gonna, you, you're going to Dallas on the weekend. It's going to be lovely weather. You have the convertible. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, okay. So I had slightly longer things. I didn't, okay. Even that feels quite short. But at the time, yeah. I stretched that out. And then yeah. I think I was then, I, through a similar device, I was responsible for, I think, James Dean's death and sure. various, you know. In fact, sure. when I first saw Forrest Gump some years later, I thought they'd taken my idea. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but those um, were still, those were very kind of joke driven ideas, weren't they? I suppose they, they were. They, yeah, they yeah. weren't, I mean, you weren't. Uh, or were you at any stage doing kind of more observational stuff or stuff about yourself or expressing well, I know, yourself? Well, I sp- yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, no, I never really spoke as though, as, you know, saying, hey, I'm from Cheam. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it worked. It's killing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, one, the one time I did any, any uh, gig in um, America, I did a, uh, just, t- just 10 minutes at the American Comedy Store, and I was, and ev- every, every act before me came on and said, Hey, I'm from da da da. Mm-hmm. Each one started like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm from West Hollywood, and this is what it's like there. Hey, I'm from da, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it was, and I came on. I was the only one. The totally different accent. I was the one who who didn't start like that, and the only one really who absolutely should have. I just yes. came on and said. So I went to the butchers, <laughs> and uh, they stared at me for ten minutes. They were just transfixed by the fact, you know. But where are you from? Yeah. When <laughs> when you were when you were making those first kind of gigs, what what was the reaction of the people around you? What was the reaction of your family? Were they thinking, "Oh, Tim's found a thing"? Because this is you know this is the kid who always did puppet shows. You found a. Well, I think my dad used to find it very funny. I, I used to die a lot at um, open spots and stuff, and I had one of these little dictaphone things that recorded, and uh, and at the time. Um, well, I remember I was living with mum and dad at one point. They joined that. So I still do not. Don't. Um, but um, I remember coming home one time and waking them up. It must have been quite late. And I had this dictaphone of me dying, basically. Mm-hmm. And I woke my dad up to, to play it to him. And he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> he thought it was so funny. It was because it was basically, you could hear, all you could hear was, yeah, get off. No, 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 like that. And then every now and again, you'd hear my voice just rise up and go, so, so I went to the library. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would disappear again, you know. So, uh, so they, I mean, they, I think they liked it, but, um, but my mum, I think my mum, I think, you know, mums tend to worry more. And I think maybe my mum was worried that, uh, you know, when's he going to get a, a job? Cause I didn't tend to stay in any jobs very long. I always used to sort of mess about in mm. jobs and then leave. And then, so I've left that one, you know, and they will all say, we well, should have another one lined up before you leave the one you're mm. leaving. So, but I think gradually now, of course, they, they're, they're very proud of the fact that, cause it, I don't know when they became proud of it, but uh, <laughs> I think that's what's happened. So I, I just want to stay with that moment of, of you yes. first discovering it. You, you, know, you said there's a time in every comic's life when they go, oh my God, this thing mm. exists. So did you feel like you'd found... Did you feel like you'd found your thing? Like I've kind yeah. of faffed around doing all sorts of different performing, acting and street performing and stuff. And when I discovered stand-up, I went, oh, oh, great, at last. I have to, absolutely, I'd have to say that. I mean, honestly, that's exactly what I'd feel like, yeah. I feel as though I've... I've you know, when I did jobs, I was always messing about. In a way, I was always doing comedy during my jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to, when I was, the last job I had in an office, I used to do things like climb onto the roof during meetings and make, <laughs> and make um, animal noises and like this, this, the sound of sheep and stuff like that. And I was, you know, then I was in my mid-twenties. I really should have been sure. doing something by then. How did that, how did in that? Fact, a friend of mine said to me, who I used to sit opposite in the office, who I'm still a very good friend of mine, still in touch with now, and he said, and, and it was a really badly paid job. And he said, do you know what? Even though for the money you get now, for the work you do, you're really well paid. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't argue with him. I didn't do anything. I just messed about all the time. I wrote a lot because I was doing, often I'd be going and doing open spots in the evening for about a year, a year and a half of when I last had a job. That's a job, you know, a proper one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I'd write, you know, I'd write... I don't know what the job was I had. It was in an admin department. I, was, I never understood what, it was, what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so given that you, that you discovered this, the, the kind of the one-liner approach, you were saying that, that it, it, you said like the Black well, Beauty kind of, joke. I, I, tell you, I can tell you as well, that kind of happened quite naturally as well. Okay. Because what happened was I started, and like I say, when I started, they, they groaned at me a lot. So I started trying to find it. And, and again, you, it's, it seems like a kind of obvious thing but unless you've gone through it as when you're doing lots of stand-up it's it is the case that you do sort of look for your voice and literally you say well should i talk should i talk like that or should i talk like that or should i talk like you literally Mm. and it's 
when you discover that you're actually just supposed to talk like you normally talk, it seems like a great revelation. Oh, of course, just use my voice. But yeah, so, sure. But all stand-ups kind of go through that thing yeah. of, you know, should I go like that or should I go like this? Um, again, I don't know what the question was, but it was a fantastic answer to so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know what I was going to say, yes. Right, so it happened in quite a natural way in, in that I started with one-liners and they groaned at them. And then I tried all these different things. And then I absolutely distinctly remember there's two moments. One, I was doing an open spot at the comedy store. And I was doing, I think I may well have been doing the whole thing about causing people's deaths thing. And, I th- and it was going really, really well. And I thought to myself, I'll chuck in one of these one-liners that I'd written that mm-hmm. I'd since thought this circuit doesn't want. So I said, I went to the doctors. He said he got hypochondria. I said, not that as well. <laughs> and, uh, and it got a real woof, you know. And I had a little moment. I thought, oh, well, maybe you can do these jokes on this circuit. And that, so that was a, a moment that made me think I'll bring some of the, my, those jokes back in again. And the second time was, was uh, where I had a similar sort of epiphanal moment was at, at a place called the, uh, the Bedford in Ballam, where yeah. they do it's a very famous um, club there. And... Um, and I was, it was in the main room. I was on the balcony. There was an act called Noel James on. Now, Noel James is yeah. very, very funny, yeah, brilliant, fantastic. brilliant Welsh comic who did lots of kind of quirky, surreal, one linery type things. But he, did, he was completely storming it. And he did this joke where he said, said it's just totally daft. He just said, I saw this bloke going bald. He was going bald, bald. Because he, <laughs> he was already storming it. Yeah. This joke, it, it continued. It was another massive woof. And I looked around the room and I thought, that is, I mean, that's utterly silly what he's just done there. Mm. And it's got this big woof of a laugh. And it made me feel like, oh, well, you know, you can, it's all right to be silly. I don't, I don't know whether I thought when I first got onto the circuit, because there was a lot of very cool comics that mm. I thought maybe I've got to find some way of, because a lot of the comics I like, the, the sort of traditional comics from the past, maybe, uh, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it looked like, because in a way people have occasionally said, well, it was a bit of a throwback, you know, maybe it's sure. not particularly new perhaps in the sort of early 90s to come on and be doing all that kind of um jokes that seem like they that you know well, someone like tommy cooper could have told and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but i realize actually it's sort of amounts to the same thing as the, the the circuit really you have to write your own stuff as long as you write your own stuff that's the one of the one of the main rules you write your own stuff and you know there's one or two obvious sort of boundaries in terms of what you can say in terms of being sexist or racist and all those sort of things but other than that if you write your own stuff and you make them laugh then the circuit accepts you and and it was a it was just a um it kind of went i went back towards the one-liners but I'd, i never ever thought to myself i'm gonna have an act full of one-liners and just go bang, okay. bang 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 that just kind of evolved through the fact that i realized you could do silly stuff and also i don't like waiting too long before the next laugh because i think it makes me nervous that's my theory anyway okay so is there? Well, we'll come back. Well, no, not at <laughs> no, all. Not at all. We'll come, we'll come back to the momentum in a minute. But do you just given that you you have a fondness for silly stuff? And as you were saying, there were a lot of cool other comics when you started, which mm. are much more when you when you go and do the banana cabaret. Yeah, and I thought in, they were cool. Don't Ballon. get me wrong. I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't look at them and think, oh, look at the cool comics. Not at all. I wanted to be those people. Sure. You know? And and yet you had the honesty to kind of recognise, or for, or for audiences to recognise that you weren't necessarily cool. Well, I don't, but no one gets into comedy to be cool. Well, maybe nowadays, maybe they do. I don't know. But, but uh, um, I'm just thinking of when you wor- when you walk into, up into the into the the to banana me, camera. Getting a laugh was cool. I didn't. Th- I wasn't yeah. trying to be. And uh, to me, if I, it's, you know, to go on and do 20 minutes and just it to be bang, bang, bang all the way through. Sure. That to me was cool. Sure. <laughs> well, I think one of your I think one of your very attractive qualities that I think audiences really respond to is you are very clearly yourself. You're very honestly yourself. And you're being honest about your desire for silliness in an industry where I do think there's an awful lot of kind of the comics that I think of as the sort of the wild eyed loners. Right. Do you know what I mean? They kind of want to go, oh, these are my thoughts, this is my stuff. And actually, it's very refreshing. I haven't got any thoughts. Yeah, stuff. well, there we are. <laughs> but uh, do you think that's part of why, why, why audiences go for, go for your it, stuff? No, I don't think audiences think through like that I think no but on, on an instinctive to, level you I tickle mean. them or you don't I think at the end of the day sure okay but it's probably as simple as that when they pay money at the door they want to be made to laugh and I think that, I don't think they go yeah, I like this guy because, I'm laughing because he's not doing what that other guy's doing I don't well think they, like that, they might really. not be articulating it but I think there's something about the, the way audiences respond to different comics is because it you know they, it yeah, might be maybe. just as simple as them going I like it mm. I'm not necessarily I don't know I mean the great thing about comedy and particularly in this country um, where I just think the, the comedy has always been very healthy in in this uh, these aisles, um, and the great thing is it's something for everyone, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, it is totally a personal thing. 
you know, one person's five stars, another one's no stars. <laughs> when you uh, when you talk about seeing Noel James and and mm. that sense of the momentum building up, that you mm. you you said that you could, you it's almost like if you're making them laugh anyway, you can get away with putting the dafties in. That was kind of the, the yeah. And I've of often it. thought that about the way I start, I structure my act sometimes in that I. Uh, it, once in a while, I write, write something that is a, is an absolute banker, and you know, and, and I thank God when those moments happen. But uh, um, but then there's lots of stuff that there's lots of stuff you have to drop with nothing at all. But then there's also stuff you think, well, if I spread out the bankers across here and I put sure. a few in the slipstream here, yeah. you know, is a, there's a lot of the spacing is kind of it's very modular. My act, there's no story, yeah. so I can I can look at it in terms of if I think oh that I did. I just begin to run out of gas there. Perhaps I'll sing a little song there. Or I'll do a prop there, and I'll move okay. out there. And you know, because that that thing about running out of gas or like m- maintaining the momentum is incredibly important, isn't it? It's it's mm. something like um, I've never seen Ken Dodd live, but I've seen mm. some videos of his work and uh, the way that he kind of gets an audience. He sort of tickles an audience up, and then once they're up there, mm. it's about keeping the ball in the air. Do yeah, you think totally. that's true of your your work? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think it's true. I think it's true of all comics too. If if, if um, it is to do with some, some, even if it feels like an absolute barrage, there's still got to be some sort of um, light and shade, if you, for want of a slightly pretentious phrase. But as in, um, I like it when my guests are pretentious. <laughs> if, if that's if that's the terms you see it in, then that's what. Well, I, I just mean, I, I, I just about. mean that you, it's not so much. I don't. I, I like. I, I like the idea of it being an onslaught. Don't get me wrong. If, mm. it, if I've, I like the idea of going on and go bang, and if they laugh all the way, that's great. But I think it's when you tour and you're doing an hour, then you do have to think about. It just had to change slightly. If I literally just stood there and did one liners, bang, 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 bang for an mm. hour, and I, I have done that before, but I wouldn't want to do it and tour it would kill me. So I'd, I'd have to put some things in to make things, you know, like chuck a pen behind my ear or sing yeah. a song. Well, I wanted, I wanted to talk about pen behind the ear because I think it's one of the greatest comic inventions <laughs> of, of our time. I genuinely do. For anyone that doesn't know it, can you just explain uh, what that routine well, is? It, it's For me, it's, it's purely thinking time when I'm on stage. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, basically have a box of pens and I try and catch one behind my ear but to spin it and land on my ear but those what, whilst, of, I whilst the soundtrack plays uh, whilst the soundtrack going playing, pen, pen behind, behind the ear, ear. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah. if, you, if you're having trouble visualising that it's exactly what it sounds exactly. like <laughs> except that it's incredible <laughs> because you, you frequently now I've, uh, this is the question I can't let you get away without answering yeah. do you deliberately miss the first few so that you can get the mileage out of it uh, well, sort of, yeah. Uh, I, d- I don't try really hard until um, the music's been going for a little bit. But that has that that uh, unfortunately that that I mean, only the other night I did some um, a show in uh, t- doing twenty minutes at the assembly, and um, and I thought I'd end with Pema in the ear. And when I started really trying, I mm. then found it was uh, it wasn't landing. And so as a result, I went around the music. I think about six times. I think my records eight times, but I went around quite a lot. Uh, how long is the, how long is the music? If you've been around it eight times, how long is the track? Well, it's about forty seconds, forty five seconds. It is quite okay. long to be doing that. Sure. But but you, I've never ever not done it. So yeah. what I do is I just think, well, okay, I'm just gonna stay here. So <laughs> I've never ever. You know. The mounting tension of that moment—it yeah. reminds me. Of course, me. when you actually get it, the the, the cheer—that's the thing. The one thing you have got to look forward to is that if yeah. you go do around a lot of times, once it lands, it's a big cheer. They're going to go absolutely bananas. Goal. This is, I'll, I'll say something pretentious now. It reminds me of a, a classic French vaudeville act called Les Cent Assiettes or the One Hundred Plates, right. where there's two performers and they've got a stack of a hundred plates, and one of them goes ah, and then smashes it over his friend's head, right. and then duh. And they does it, and they just smash a hundred oh, really? plates over, over over this guy's head. Wow! Um, I've I've got four hundred plates at my house, but they're too heavy, so I think they'd kill someone yeah, to try. I wanted yeah, to try doing terrible, it. Yeah. But it, but that the the way that it works, the way that I've heard that act works, is that it's it's funny because it's ludicrous, and then it's not funny, and then it's mm. funny again, and then it's really not funny, and they hate you, and then it's hilarious with with the plate smashing. Yeah. Do you find that there's? It well, looks to me like you're sort of playing quite the as rhythm. Far as hate, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, I think there. Well, what I do think happens is that people who haven't seen it before wonder whether I'm whether this is something I can actually do, and so perhaps they, yes. they go, "Well, you know." So I think they think, "Well, why are you why are you doing this?" But they <laughs> do, they're not just all sat there thinking, "Why are you doing this?" Because it's very funny. It's a really funny bit. Yes, but like you say, although it doesn't may not go as far as hate. I've never spoken this long about pen behind the ear for the tickets, even with my friends. Um, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> And we have spoken about it. Uh, but I think that it gets to a point where people uh, do think, uh, if, if you take it to just three or four times around the music, then they, there is an element of, oh, come on. 
Yeah. And then it's, oh, ah, oh. Yeah, they get in, they, when they're close. They get more involved and the room yeah. goes, whoa. Yeah. The yeah. risk is that the close ones, I can't go for the close ones too early in case they land accidentally. <laughs> so okay. I'll go for them later. So you were saying you, you call that, you refer to that as an item. Yes, I have, uh, when I write an hour or something, I have items and I have props and, uh, and I have one-liners and songs. Okay. And, and you sprinkle them... And I try and go uh, just about moving between those areas. Sure. Okay. And I think they're getting sick of one area, I move to another one. And in fact, they're all so really that, just So jokes. the structure of it allows you to, to change whenever you want? Uh, well, oh. no, I, I will find out by doing shows what okay. is the optimum place okay. for them. I don't tend to change... I, I, get, I mean, the only thing that does change sometimes, the, the props change a little bit sometimes. Um, and I do that as regarding, you know, I think myself, I better go and pick something up. I can feel them just going... Sure. Slightly, you know. When we did the Tartan Ribbon benefit the other night, uh, yes. me and David O'Doherty, he, he was waiting to go on after you, and I was comparing, right. and uh, he was. We were discussing whether or not your your songs, the little snatches of songs mm. that come in that you sing ridiculous songs to, um, sort of songs about the nature of songs or waiting, you know, waiting yeah, for yeah. your fun stuff like that. And he was speculating as to whether you know which music cue is going to get played next, or whether it's just play play one on the track and I'll sing whichever song comes. Uh, well, actually, on that particular night, I didn't know what was coming next. Okay, I, I said. To the, the, the uh, Jobbins, um, <laughs> I gave him the CD and I said, name. I'm going to go this one, this one, this one, and this one, but I may do the last two in a different order. And so he went up there and I just, and the queue is always, I try and keep it simple when I go on, yeah. on tour because if I go on tour, I have to use a different sound person in each venue. So you've got to make sure that everyone's first go at it. So, so I always say to people, the queue is, hit the music, please. That's yeah. what I say each time. And, um, and uh, and that's it. So so literally every time I go, hit the music, please, and the thing starts. And one time on that night, I do remember thinking, I don't know what's next, but sure, there okay. was enough of music that as it started, I then that it can help it, you yeah. out. Okay. One of the other items I wanted to mention was the uh, the multiple puppets. Oh uh, yes. Uh, when you you take a puppet and then you explain that he has a puppet and then that he has a little puppet and then yeah, the yeah. little puppet gets another puppet. The ventriloquism thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't quite know what my question is, other than <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> where, where did that come from? Was that something you played with as a as a ten year old puppeteer? Or? Well, I just remember writing because sometimes when I write, I I just will write lists of of ideas. I say to, I'll write sort of one to twenty. I think right, I'll just write anything, and I think I just wrote a puppet with a puppet with a puppet. Okay, something like that, or ventriloquist with a ventriloquist with a ventriloquist. <laughs> So this is Tim. How good is this? You look for your voice, then you discover you're just supposed to talk like you normally talk. Love him. I'm loving this interview. Um, And you should immediately, if you haven't already, immediately go to YouTube and look up Pen Behind the Ear. You're not allowed to listen to the rest of this interview until you've seen it. It's an essential part of your comedy heritage, I suppose, wherever you're from, your global comedy heritage, I've just decided. Um, We'll bash on with the rest of this very soon. Just time to thank you once again for all of your donations. Do chip in if you feel like you'd like to support the show, if you think it's made a difference to your career or your life or your weird, anxious mind. Uh, You can make a donation of any size at comedianscomedian.com. Just click on the PayPal button. Thank you to everyone who's donated so far. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you very much. Exciting news for next time. The brilliant Kerry Godleyman is joining me later this week. Um, And that'll be with you as soon as I get it done and uh, Nathan kindly edits it for me. Uh, I can't wait to talk to Kerry. You'll know know her from Ricky Gervais's Derek and also her own brilliant stand-up. She's a great comedy actress, a brilliant comic. Very much looking forward to that. Just one little extra thing before we go back into Tim. Um, That sounds a bit weird, back into Tim, nonetheless. Uh, You can go to comedysnapshot.com and have a look at a brilliant book of backstage photos and portraits from a wonderful physical comedian called Steve Best. He's done a a book of a photo project, photo sort of interview project he's been doing. Um, It's comedysnapshot.com. I'm in the book, as are loads and loads and loads of brilliant acts. I never remember to take pictures in dressing rooms myself, and whenever I see a decent dressing room photo, I'm always gutted that I haven't been doing it all along. If you're a newer act, take pictures in dressing rooms. It's so nice to look back and see a little slice of time stolen backstage like that. That's something I I really regret not doing myself. Fortunately, ComedySnapshot.com, Steve Best has been on it uh, for all of us, really, with quotes from acts about their work and their lives alongside their pictures. I will get Steve on the show before long, I'm sure. He's a brilliant, brilliant comic. Um, So go and check out his book. 
Uh, blogger Becca Moody has said some lovely things about this show. Thank you, Becca. That's very kind of you. You can read her blog at moodycomedy.wordpress.com. Uh, check that out. And that's it for now. Um, remember, you can watch video highlights of this and loads of other episodes at youtube.com slash comcompod. And sticking one of those little video highlight links on someone's Facebook wall is a really good way of letting them know about the show. You can just keep it yourself if you'd prefer. Why should those bastards get all the good stuff? Hang on to it, mate. Don't tell a soul. Now, let's get back to Tim Vine. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's talk about the writing then. So when, when you say, when I sit and write, are you, yes. w- what's, what does your writing week look like? Do you have sort of a structure to how you... <laughs> I've, I've never had a writing ev- ev- week. Everyone laughs at I that, don't worry. I'm not out of an office to avoid an anything week. Um, but uh, well, what, what tends to happen is stuff can happen conversationally with mates. So sometimes jokes come up like that. Will be mm-hmm. uh, Someone will say something and I'll go, oh, that's, that's a good idea. Sure. Um, and... Uh, and maybe so then I scribble a few. I normally have a piece of paper or something with me, and I might scribble the odd idea down or text it to myself or something. I've got a very old phone. <laughs> um, and uh, and then th- th- when I'm doing when I've got to get ready for a tour, then I might actually then I do sit down and deliberately I might occasionally I go to a library and do a, do a day there or something. You know. Okay. Okay, that's incredible. Give, that, given that you, I mean, you produce an enormous volume of material. And I use it all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drop any of it. <laughs> but, you, but given that, I, I'm surprised to hear, I think I probably anticipated you'd be more kind of, you'd be one of the disciplined guys of going, okay, well, I get up in the morning and I write for four hours. And Well, no, I can be quite disciplined. The thing that dis- makes me feel disciplined is a deadline. So if, if, my, prom- if my promoter has, has convinced me to put a tour in, you know, in a nine months hence... Is, it, is that s- the way around it works? Your promoter convinces you to put a well, tour in? Well, occasionally he'll ring up and say... Uh, You've got to do it for the fans. And I say, uh, oh, those three have been on the line again. <laughs> you know, but, uh, and, and, and so once I say, I mean, yes, the thing is, yes is a very small word, but it opens up a whole, once I, once you, you can't just say yes to get them off the phone, because once <laughs> you've said yes, you've got to write an hour, you know. Yeah. So, but when that happens, and you know that he's then filling up all these venues, you know, in a few mm. months' time, that does then make you, then that makes you write. There's a fear of st- having nothing. So then I would, in that situation, and I've occasionally seen things written that say, oh, Tim Vine writes 15 jokes a day or something. Sure. As though that's my normal thing that I go around writing. And that, it was just a period leading up to a tour where I thought, right, I'll write 15 jokes every day. Okay. And I just, and that, and I can get that done, in, you know, in an hour or something. Okay. And then have the rest of the day And free. what sort of, uh, apart from the notes... <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the notes that you've got in your back pocket from previous yes. conversations, do you have any other methods of kind of finding starting points? Are you kind of flicking through books, finding random words to play uh, with? I occasionally you, uh, use a newspaper, but not that often really use a newspaper. What I kind of do is, um, I, I, it's more that I just, I will write one to, one to ten on a piece of on a postcard I tend to write on postcards okay I'm always buying you know those free all those free postcards you get in pubs yeah. I'm always getting them because I think to myself oh great so I've got loads and loads of postcards what's the thinking home. behind that why a postcard just because then like, there's I 10 things and it's th- done I think and it's they when fit. you try things out okay. you read things you don't learn things when you when you when you go and try it, you don't learn it all. Okay. So if I go to a new material place to try out material, sure, I take these postcards. You've already with ri- me. that's the written form of it is ready to go on the stage. Yeah, okay. kind of. Yeah, I might write it on another postcard actually to make it a bit neater. But yeah, I don't know why I stick on postcards. Okay. But the, the it, to me, I say to myself, I'll do the quantity, and then the quality sorts itself out. So I'll write so I'll write ten jokes, and I don't worry about the the quality. I don't. 
you know, think to myself. I remember a friend of mine um, who was a, a, a very new comic, and she ran me up and said, oh, I've been trying to get this joke. And she's been staring at a piece of paper for like three hours mm-hmm. and trying to get this perfect form joke. No one can work like that. I said, forget that. Just write write ten jokes and don't try and write one. Write, write just ten quite quickly and then go and do something else. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise yeah, it's, I mean, that's really good advice. Just the main thing is to let yourself write rubbish. That's what with me. Anyway, I, I, I let myself write nonsense. It's a bit like when you get, you know, when you get um, four-year-olds walking around trying to be funny and they, they'll say, oh, this, that, and the other, da, 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 oh, you're a smelly pants, and, da, da, da. and they, they just talk rubbish. Every now and again, they'll say something and everyone absolutely roars with laughter. Okay. Because the valve is open with them that says, sure. it, doesn't, it, it doesn't matter about making a fool of yourself socially. Yeah. You could just say something. So, okay. you know, if you're happy about making a fool of yourself, there's a whole world of fun the other side of it. Okay. So do you have any kind of... Um, when, you take a, when you take a joke or a word or a concept, do you have any sort of familiar uh, habits of how you try and find the funny in it? Well, I'm so, yes, I probably do. And some of them I'm trying to get out of, actually, to be honest, because uh, although I'm known for the whole pun thing and I kind of... Um, play up to it a bit because, sure. that, because it's quite nice if you have a thing you know and apparently sure. if that's my thing I'm happy for that to be my thing but I do um, I do look at words and, and, and you know quite literally look at you know I'm trying to think of examples of playing on word type things but um, well there was well here's an example of a joke that is not a, a wordplay joke which is this is one of my jokes where I say I, I saw quite a rare thing the other day I saw a toucan in my garden that's quite rare I didn't see a toucan in your garden then I got a bit closer I realised it wasn't a toucan it was a magpie eating a banana <laughs> Now, th- I'd like to write more of that sort of thing. Yes, I see. Okay, because uh, it's a visual picture rather than a linguistic trick. Yeah, because th- that's where I think that's where some of the... I don't know, I just like that sort of thing. It strikes me as being a bit cleverer than sure. Velcro, what a rip-off. I don't know, but I, ju- I, yeah. I, mean, I, li- I do like that <laughs> Bastards, stuff. Bastards, you're making him do that stuff. <laughs> but I do, I do like that sort of thing, but I just... I, 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 um, I suppose what it is, is that I... Believe it or not, with my act, I hate groaning. I absolutely hate it, and it's a good okay. job too. Otherwise, if I was aiming for groaning, I, I could, you could, do, you I could, could nail write, that. Yeah. yeah, you could write an hour in a couple of days, couldn't you? Um, so, and the less likely to groan at stuff that's like that toucan one, they might not find it funny, but there's mm. less groan. So, I, I want to do more of that sort of thing. I have mm. one where I say, do you know, if you chop a horse in half, then bang the two halves together, it sounds like someone riding a coconut. Yeah. It's kind of more like, it's more like twisted logic jokes. Yes, yes, you know, which is. You know, which people like Milton Jones, a yeah. genius at writing that sort of thing. Um, although he has his fair share of the kind of pure pun as well. Sure. Um, but that's kind of uh, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to mix it up a bit, but I'd like to have more of that sort of thing. Okay. okay. At this point in my life, I'd like to write more of that, or maybe forget the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think coming just to hold with the idea of the puns? Because I. I I suppose having been to numerous Edinburgh festivals and seen your posters, which describe you as the pun slinger and a punsmith, you know, and you, you know, you, um, obviously as a as a kind of marketing strategy, or like you say, it's good to have a thing that people can connect with yeah. you. I'd anticipated you doing a lot more puns than you did, and then when I came and sat and watched one of your videos and when I saw your chat show, I did notice more and more of those jokes, the twisted logic ones, the one like um, I want you say I want to book a flight. I went to a travel agent said I want to book. Oh, a fl- sorry, yeah, I went to the travel agent. I said I want to book a flight very short notice. So you see, you've just missed it. Yeah, I'd like that's that's lovely. And there's there's I I, I agree that they they kind of they seem or or do they do they to you do they seem better jokes do they seem more whole somehow because they're well, probably, more, more surprising less likely that that a, a but a, what that does it still they do slightly seem more they seem maybe cleverer in a way but also but then equally you know if i say i went on a date with a girl called simile i don't know what a metaphor that <laughs> that that's a pun and yeah. that, that used to get a sure a big one so and and also going going back to what Noel James <laughs> I should be talking over the laugh. Come on, guys. <laughs> going back to the whole the Noel James experience, to, to have someone saying, you know, I saw someone going bald, he was going bald, bald. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just silly. And I do like silly. Yes, so, sure. So I don't, I don't, you know, I want to, you know, probably the aim of most comics is to, to be as funny with doing as little as possible. Yeah. You know, I mean, Tommy Cooper used to breathe out when everyone fell over, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. So uh, when you're on stage, when you're performing, you have a particular type of uh, persona and you've, you've just kind of gone into it a couple of times there when you've got that kind of 
you know, that I, I yes. don't know how to quite do it for the sake <laughs> of the recording, but it's a, you know what I mean? It's a tone of voice that's kind of a sort of showman musical, can't stay with me, kind of yeah. that little burst of energy. Mm. Where, let's talk about that. Enthusiasm. Where, yeah, well, there we are. but it, it's not just enthusiasm. It's a kind of slightly cheesy sort of, mm. you're, you're putting Although it... Although I never, I must admit, cheesy is not, I'm not a big fan of cheesy, unless it's describing something made of cheese. Um, because... Because so many things that people say are cheesy, I really like. So I don't quite understand what... I don't, it's, it's a word like corny as well. Sometimes I don't quite understand corny or schmaltzy. Or, I mean, I really like over-sentimentality in films. And I like sure. things that people think are cheesy and Okay. I don't, I don't mean to use the no, word no, negatively. My yeah. tone suddenly was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <I don't laughs> do Stand up, kick table over. <laughs> but... Um, so, but but I know what you mean as what, by saying that, that that's the sort of there is a sort of there is a style. It's almost sort of too enthusiastic, isn't it? Is yes. That, well, yeah. there we go. So yeah. so so that style. When when in your new when you started doing stand up, when did that kind of creep in? What, what? Well, I discovered doing the sort of thing I was doing. It's best to do it at speed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and grit your teeth. And fr- I think it's fronting it out as well. And that is something that you do. Uh, you do learn a bit as you know literally over a few years i think of mm. doing stand-up is that particularly with silly stuff you must front it out it's no good saying it and then that's why i don't like groaning groaning is like a is like an apology you know yes or okay. I, another one of my pet hates is ba-dum-tsh. i'm not a big yes, fan of that sure. at all because that's all those are in the place where the laugh should be yes you know so okay. i i don't know I've just, i just feel like when you i've done it again i've started and I've no 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 you're on it you're on it keep going Was oh it? you've forgotten it so yeah, you were talking we're talking about the cell that moment when you yeah, say yeah, it, so when you front it, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I got very excited. Um, um, yeah, so I, I just think that you, if you say, I'll, I'll say the Velcro, what a rip off joke. If I say, if I were to do that very deadpan, Velcro, what a rip off. Um, I mean, there maybe it's probably still funny, but there's something I, th- I think there's something just generally about doing things on the up, you know. Mm. Velcro, what a rip off, you know. Yeah. I mean, there is something. Not, sometimes I've occasionally said to people when they've asked me about radio shows, I've said I'm not a big fan of doing radio because I can't use my eyebrows. Yes, I was just going to say after after you said it just then, you went Velcro, what a rip off! And there is there's there's a little moment, there's a little half a second where you almost have like a little um, it's slightly knowing, probably. Yes, I think that's what it is. It sort of frames it in a kind of a look. I know this is stupid. Yeah, yeah. You, you're kind of selling it. There's a, there's another element to how you're yeah, selling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And 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 a lot of my. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly not the first person to do that. A lot of my comedy heroes, that is a, I mean, that is a kind of comedy device. If you, I mean, I really, he's not particularly in vogue uh, anymore, but I really like Benny Hill, for example. Now, Benny Hill used to constantly do that thing where he'd say something and then he'd do a little smirk at the end of it. Now, sure. he's put that smirk in. That's not him about to corpse, but it's yes. a lovely, it just has a lot of charm, you know. And, you know, a lot of these people like Tommy Cooper, Les Dawson, they, you know, they'd, they'd give you a little look that says you know I know what's going on here yeah there's something else about the way you it sounds you terrible to say that doesn't it but, but, but yeah no well, why, why would you why would you think that sounds terrible do you feel uh, that's kind of giving away the magic of it not giving away but it's just suddenly you realise that actually it's all fakery isn't it the whole thing's fakery but I mean but it is it is isn't it it's a performance sure so, so if someone comes and sees you on stage and you and some of the bits that look slightly ad libby some, some of them are but then some of them aren't you know mm-hmm. um, but I suppose that's showbiz isn't it nonsense isn't it from start to finish <laughs> <laughs> there's something funnily enough when you said that your body changed a little bit then when you kind of said God it's all sort of, <laughs> it's all sort of fakery is it really do you feel that there's a, an element of it that, that you oh, that I it's know it's shame? not a, 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 a is that I'm what ashamed of well no 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 no, no, no I didn't say that that it's yeah. do you feel there's an element by which it's kind of a shame that it's a, an act uh no, because we all know when we go go and see people, and also, and I know Benny Hills is an act, but I but I watch him and I love it, you know. So we all know it's an act, but when you're the one doing the act, sometimes you do feel like a bit of an idiot, but <laughs> but uh, because it's uh, it, it is, you know, it is what it is. You're being, you're getting up there and making out you, you know, you've got something to say. <laughs> I really haven't got anything to say. I've just got some jokes. Okay. Is that when, because you love what's silly, is that, is that kind of part of the payment for getting to do stuff that's silly, is that every so often you have to kind of go, God, this is all a bit silly? Uh, well, I don't tend to go, girls all a bit enjoy my act, but uh, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like being silly. I, I mean, I like, it's funny, people have sometimes said to me, oh, you know, how do you, uh, you know, is it, is it, is it tiring trying, being funny all the time? People do, people yeah. expect you to be funny all the time. I think it's a slightly strange question because 
Because actually, that's socially the way we all want to be anyway. When you're with your friends, you want to make your friends laugh and you want them to make you laugh. That's the kind of, that's our sort of relaxed default position, isn't sure, it? Sure. That's sure. not a position of high tension. That's the idea of having fun. Yeah. So, but, but then, but you're performing in a state where it's necessary that you make people laugh. Yeah. And I, but I don't socially, I'm not like that socially. I'm not sure. kind of. That's the other thing people ask me occasionally is whether whether or not I'm really... I wouldn't want to be in your head, they say, as though, the, you know, doing, <laughs> doing all these thousands of jokes, I literally walk off stage and continue. Yeah. So I said to the taxi driver, it's not like that, you know. Sure. Do you, and do you, when you walk off stage, I mean, it must be exhausting keeping up the level of Yeah, of I get asked that question a lot as well. I, mean, I find it invigorating. Sometimes I go okay. on, sometimes okay. I'm tired before I go on, and then when I get off, I feel it's given me energy. Okay. Because t- touring can be quite tiring. Touring can be tiring. That sounds nice. Um, but uh, so sometimes I've, I remember one tour, I was so tired that the person came in and said, y- you're on in two minutes. Or, this is your one minute call. He didn't say that. Um, the, uh, he said, you're on in two minutes. And I actually thought, I was going to have a tiny bit of sleep. Before. So I just had a little, I just closed my eyes and, and I actually went off for about a minute before going on. Okay. Completely, that's how tired I was before I got. But then when I went on, because the act has its own speed anyway, and you, you do the whole thing, and you come off, and you, you don't sure. want to go to bed. You know. Are there are there any other are there any kind of comedy? Are there any elements to to stand up that you feel you'd like to be able to do more of? Is there anything that feels like the sort of intangible or out of your reach? Well, I, I, not that I feel I'd like to do more. Of. I do sometimes think to myself it would be fascinating to start again and but adopt a totally different style. Sure. And do the whole chatty thing, you know, and be more myself, you know. Um, so do you, w- where does that thought come from? Do you ever feel like you're kind of, uh, <laughs> um, do, but do you ever feel like you're sort of on, on a particular track now that you're, I don't want to say the word trapped, but do you know what I mean? You yeah, do no, no, do a certain are, thing. Yeah, people like, do expect you to do what you do, I suppose, yeah. Um, so in that sense, I've painted myself into a corner that if I do a tour, I've got to do hundreds of one-liners. But even then, that's not even the case, is it? I could, if I want to do an hour of contemporary dance, I can do that, couldn't I? But no, people might not turn up. It'd be up to me, <laughs> wouldn't it? You can do what you Please want. Please come back to Edinburgh <laughs> and do an hour of contemporary dance on the free fridge. But are there any other, any other like we we're talking about sort of intangible things, What if yeah. you were to come back, if you were to start again and go, yes. okay, I'll do conversational stuff, mm. would you be wanting to do that so that you could express yourself? Where, where would that come from? No, it wouldn't be a, for a sort of therapy thing. It would just be because I, I see some of these guys doing... I don't know. A lot of people like um, I don't know these people that I, I started with, like Alan Davis or um, Boothby Graffo, people who were when I first came on the circuit were doing twenty minutes. I just really looked up to that sort of sort of comedy. In the end, mm. I've turned out to be doing something that I probably is maybe a simpler sort of comedy, isn't it? Just to do jokes in it. It's a bit boring. But um, it, it's it's very, very skilled. I mean, I sort of keep mentioning Alan. He's probably not in the room anymore. But but Alan Davis, well, it's it so organic. I used to love watching him doing stuff in a club. To be close to people like him and Eddie is and watch that way. They just, they, it, the conversational way, it would just really slowly start. It was, mm. I just, it was beautiful, you know. Um, so I kind of probably aspired to be a bit like that when I started. Then it ended up being jokes. Okay. Okay. Um, we've got about sort of 10, 15 minutes left to go. Uh, I'd like to give you the opportunity to ask some questions of Tim, if that's all right. Um, go but for it. what normally happens is there's a bit of an eggy pause while I explain that and you'll look at me. So I, I'm just telling they're you that now. They're doing that now. They're doing it. I'll ask another question and then I'll come back to you if you've, uh, if you've got uh, a thing. What I was going to ask was, um, are you where you want to be as a comedian? Are you as successful as you want to be? Well, I don't really think in terms of success. I think in terms of fun. Because I never got into this job in the first place to to make money or be successful. I, think I, I Honestly, it was purely fun. And if ever that, that thing stopped being fun, and sometimes you get in situations where you're working something, you get surrounded. But the more successful you get, the more people that you find yourself in situations where more people are taking it seriously and look mm. at you in a way that... It's not the same as what it was when I was in a comedy cafe with a scrap of paper about to go on and mess mm. about with my mates. You know, so I, I always told myself it's fun first, and okay. then everything else second. In which case, I'm perfectly happy with things as they are. Yeah, and the way that 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 it is at the moment, I can you know, if I want to make a little film or something, I can go and make a little film. I mean, I'd have to pay for it. No one would pay for it, but sure. <laughs> but you know, you can, cameras very easy to get hold of now, and you can do what you like, can't you? Really? Yeah. Okay. In life. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go to the audience if there's a, if anyone has a question for Tim, feel free to raise a hand. 
Okay, so how did you? How did you when you were doing in, when you were dying in your yeah. early days when you had a bad gig? How did you keep the faith with yourself and and believe in yourself that you could go back and do it again? Well, do you know what? I don't think it was even to do with uh, um, having faith in myself. It was to do with how much I enjoyed doing the thing in the first place. And I think that is kind of what draws you back, is that if you've got this slight madness in it that you want to get up on stage, um, you know, getting up in front of people who shout, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, over and over again, is not enough to kill off that that little dream in your heart to get back up again and make it work, you know. So, so it's not even to do with faith. It could be that... Uh, and it does, I mean, it does hurt when you die, and mm. you know, it's not nice, and particularly early on because you, it, it's, 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 um, you probably have your worst deaths. Actually, that's not true, I've had some horrific ones in recent years, <laughs> <laughs> corporates and things. But, um, uh, I remember I was, when I did, when I first gave up my job in, a, in an office, I was working with uh, Boothby Graffo, supporting Boothby, um, on a, uh, like a tour of universities, and, um, and I was booed off at um, Woolwich University. I went on, and normally, when it's going badly, I still do my time, because I say to myself, well, I want to at least make sure they pay me. You know? And um, But this one, literally, there was no way of staying on. It was some, uh, something I did, or whatever, it was, they just didn't like me. And, and with three minutes after going on, I'd walked off. And I was kind of really upset by this, and I felt like I was quite close to tears, actually. And I said to... Uh, I remember saying to Boothby, I'm not sure I can do this. And I, was, and I, and I always remember, and, and it's in a way a nice little metaphor for how you should deal with deaths. Boothby took a drag of his cigarette and just shrugged his shoulders like that. He said, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, just, uh, it doesn't matter, really, to be honest. Well, it doesn't matter that you died or it doesn't matter that you're thinking of giving None up? None of it matters. If you want to give up. <laughs> 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 Nothing matters. <laughs> It would be lovely to end the show there. On that sentiment, we have no, got a bit more time. What I took away from that was that what I took away from it was that um, it, this isn't a great. The, the fact that these people hated you is not a great big statement on your act or the following gig or the gig before. It was just so. It, it, his reaction was so matter of the fact. It was as if to say, "Well, that's going to happen sometimes." You know, mm. get over it. He didn't come over and put his arm around me and say. Oh, oh, sorry. Is it hurting? Oh, he didn't do that. He just—it yeah. was a perfect response to get from him because it was like, well, you know, it was like a man who'd been through that himself yeah. a lot of times, and yeah. you know, I, yeah, so I don't want to put—I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I heard a story about Boothby saying that, like, his habit when newer acts died, mm. he'd come and put his arm around their shoulder <laughs> and he'd say, "There's a worse one out there." Do you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> really? just That's waiting great. for you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, he didn't do that, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think the, the answer to your question. Is that um, uh, is that because is that to come from a position of you've had a bad one really you don't know how to keep faith with it? It's how much you want to do it really at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's um, it, you will take it personally, but you shouldn't really take it personally. But you can't help it. Mm. Any other questions? Given your natural style, would you do another situation comedy? Uh, yeah, I would do another one. I think probably. Um, my natural style, did you say? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I thought you were, when you when you started that I thought you meant my natural style of joke telling. But did you mean my nat- do you mean my acting or something? Then do oh right okay right. But yeah no I'd be I'm up for anything really for you know whatever. Okay did you did you enjoy working on not going out? Is that yeah I loved it yeah yeah I mean I did five series of it and I felt that I kind of I didn't really want to do it forever. I was, I felt that five was probably enough. Um, but yeah no it's great fun. And uh, and working with Lee is, I mean, Lee is, if you, have you spoken to him on this? No, not yet. No. Oh, you should do. No, there's a hard worker. Yeah, okay. Now, he, I think he was one of the first comics, well, I got into comedy sort of through Alan Cochran. He was the first right. comic I knew before I became one. Right. He's good mates with Lee. Mm. And I think through Alan's description of how hard Lee works, I mm. probably thought all comedians have an office and write all day long. And it turns out not. But, no, almost but none of them. No, no, no. <laughs> he is very dedicated. Very, he's, he's married the two things up with... Uh, being very good, but also working very hard. I mean, yeah. he literally does... Uh, the amount of work he puts into not going out, writing the scripts and stuff is incredible. Who is your comedy hero and why? Well, I probably can't nail it down to one, really, but uh, um, let's take them in groups. All the dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the live ones. <laughs> no, um... Uh, well, there's, there's the ones that, I, that were my heroes when I watched them as a child... 
So then it would be all, and it's probably very predictable, but all people like Morecambe Wise, Tommy Cooper, Les Dawson, Frankie Howard, I absolutely love, mm. and uh, Larry Grayson, massively underrated, who I think is absolutely hilarious. If you get the chance to watch any Larry Grayson stand-up, it's hilarious. Um, and that, so there's that, and then there's also, then when I started on the circuit, doing the comedy circuit, then, then if you ask me who my comedy heroes were then, they were all the people who I was watching doing 20 minutes while I was doing my five minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, Kevin Day was another one who I remember. You know, he was established doing twenties, and you just—I mm-hmm. just thought this 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 time of twenty minutes was something to be something to be aiming for. And so the people who were doing twenty minutes were my kind of comedy heroes at the time. You know. Okay. So who else apart from Kevin when you were? Uh, well, um, Lee Evans, I worked with, I suppose, a couple of times. Um, um, yeah, the Rubber Bishops, um, Eddie Izzard. Go on, name some people from that era. Alan Davis. Okay, um, Bob Mills. Okay, just people in twenties. They were they were like. I, so you you liked them because they were, you, they were they were heroic to you because they were doing twenties. Yes. But what what was it about their about their material? Were there particular people that you went? That's they've got it. That's the thing I should all, be looking well, for. I honestly thought all of them at the time. Now I have I I have some are more favourites than others now. But but it's I tell you where the way I look at it. And I I bumped into Owen O'Neill, who would have been another one mm-hmm. who was on the circuit at the time, who's doing the uh, Shawshank Redemption up here. And I said to him, we were in a group chatting, and I said, the funny thing is, when, you do, when you're first doing um, your, your open spots, the people who are established on the circuit, they're a bit like sixth formers. Yeah. And, and, and you never get that atmosphere, never leaves. So when you meet those people again, you're always slightly, you know. You know. Sure, so, sure. So I've, I, I didn't realise that Alan was one of your sixth formers when yeah, you said hello to him was. in here earlier on. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, he was uh, doing established 20s when I was doing my fives. Yeah. Okay. So you're you've been coming up to Edinburgh for a long time. Are you planning to keep coming up here? Are you? Well, I hope so. Do you I, take I've, years off, or um, yeah, I've done it eleven times in about twenty years. So not every year, um, but no, I love it up here. In fact, one of the things that it re- t- reminds me of is 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 the business of doing it for fun. You know, it, because because <laughs> you don't no one does it up here for money, but um, uh, because I like the thing of being in the corner of the the comedy cafe with a scrap of paper. That mm. that thing. Mm. There's there's a sense that. The fringe feel to it, I really like, you know. So I like being in a room like this, where you can see the people really close to you, and they're staring at you. <laughs> <laughs> and are you are you happy? Uh, yeah, I am. I think yeah. I I sort of gravitate towards happiness. I think. Look at you. Yeah, I tell you what, that one came out of nowhere. That question, didn't it? <laughs> we left that one too. Don't the talk end. to them. Look <laughs> at me. <laughs> no, I am. Yeah, I I. Uh, I'm. I, yeah, I think I'm. A bit like my dad in that, but my dad is really into maths. I'm not really into maths, but my dad, if you give him a pad of paper and a pen, he'll sit in a coffee shop with a cup of coffee and a Danish pastry and write maths equations. I'm a bit like that with jokes. My dad will go, oh, wonderful, shit here. And it's a terrible impression. We all do the same thing. <laughs> wonderful, Tim, wonderful. Shit here, lovely cup of coffee. Sit in the garden and let's write some equations. Now, I have that slightly same, uh, uh, um, I think, Hopefully, anyway, I aspire to be like my dad twenty four seven. To be honest, but but that I do lean towards that approach to life, which is, you know what, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's uh, it's not. But I'm I'm grateful for the job I've got. Let's put it that way. Great. So we'll do one more question and then we'll wind up. Was it a conscious decision to do clean comedy? Uh, no, it wasn't really. No, I, but but uh, that partly comes, I think, from. The fact there's probably three things. One is that the the comedians I knew from the past on television, it was all clean in those days anyway, mm-hmm. and they were sort of my kind of early comedy heroes. Um, secondly, um, I wanted to do silly stuff, and silly stuff. I mean, look, someone like Harry Hill or someone else who was an inspiration to me when I was younger. I remember seeing up here setting his props before his show in 1993, I think it was, thinking, "Look at that king of his own little world." Yeah, I want to be like that. Um, but he does silly stuff, and so if you f and blind in the middle of it, it would be a bit odd. Sure. Then the third thing is, I I don't think my mum and dad would like that. And I want them to like my act, <laughs> 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 which sounds pathetic. But we want our parents to like us, don't we? I mean, they still like me, but I mean, I, I want them to not say, "I wasn't so keen on that bit, darling." Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tim Vine. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. <laughs> So that was Tim. Fun first, then everything else second. Love him. Just love him. He's properly got his head screwed on 
and just produces such an output of quality stuff of all sorts. Really, really do check out some of his stuff. The ventriloquism thing with all the puppets, ventriloquizing other puppets. He's just brilliant. What an imagination. Very, very inspiring. Uh, that is all for now from me. Uh, speak to you next week. It'll be the first non-live one that we've had for a while, if we can get it edited in time. Uh, if not, then one of the last three, the very last three Ed Fringe ones. You'll have to wait and see. Thanks to Pete Jones and James Lowey. Thanks to Ben Lund-Conlon and Sarah Grun for the podmin. And this episode was co-produced by Nathan Wood. I've been Stuart Goldsmith. Speak to you soon. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus.